0: After four years of America First, President elect Biden recently declared America is back. In other words, U.S. foreign policy is about to change. On today's episode, Ariane Tapatabai, the Middle East Fellow at GMF's Alliance for Securing Democracy, sits down with Ambassador Wendy Sherman. Who many probably already know as the lead U.S. negotiator on the Iran deal during the Obama administration. Ambassador Sherman and Ari discuss the connection between foreign and domestic policy, the most pressing global challenges awaiting Biden's inbox, what's next for U.S.-Iran policy, and much more. This is the first of a few episodes we'll be doing to close out the year, featuring some of the smartest voices on the future of transatlantic security from both the
1: U.S. and Europe here's the episode. All right. Um, Welcome to Out of Order. My name is Ariane Tabadabai and I'm joined here today uh, by Ambassador Wendy Sherman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Delighted to be with you all. Now I want to start at home, actually. I know your portfolio is typically foreign policy, but there's a lot going on at home. Uh, We had elections earlier this month. Since then, President Trump has refused to acknowledge that uh, he was defeated at the ballot box. We have uh, the ongoing pandemic. We have an economic crisis and continued uh, tensions around racial justice issues. One of the things I really appreciated about your book is that you actually tied uh, foreign policy and domestic issues uh, really well together, and you've done that a lot in your writing since leaving government. So I wanted to start with uh, your take on what's going on at home
2: and how all of it affects foreign policy. So, Ariana, as you rightly say, all foreign policy begins at home. Uh, And when President-elect Joe Biden gave his Acceptance remarks the other evening, he said, This is not about the example of our power. It is about the power of our example. And then he went on to talk about rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, about staying in the WHO, about getting on top of the COVID 19 challenge uh, to end the economic disparities and to restore our economy, uh, to build back better. Uh, and to address racial injustice in our country. He understands, and I apologize, I think it's Arianne, um, uh, he understands fully well that we cannot be powerful abroad if our example at home uh, is what it has been for the last four years. So with this sort of context in mind, uh
1: I wanted to zoom in a little bit on uh, broad the broad set of challenges that this new administration is going to be facing uh, and then zoom in from there. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of uh, different challenges, obviously, the economic crisis, uh, COVID-19, uh, but also, you know, national security issues don't stop uh, because we have these things to deal with. Right. There is a the rise of China. Uh, there is continued uh, challenges stemming from Russia, uh, Iran in the Middle East, North Korea. Uh, how would you if you were advising the, this new administration, how would you advise that they
2: prioritize these different challenges? I think one thing we're going to get out of a Biden-Harris administration is an administration that can walk, chew gum, play soccer baseball, swim, do the marathon, and then some. Uh, Because you can't just choose one. The world doesn't sort of say, okay, you've decided this week I'm going to deal with China and I'll just stand in line till next week. It doesn't work that way. Uh, And so I think this is a president-elect who is incredibly experienced. He has visited virtually every capital in the world. He has visited communities across our country and across other countries. So he is going to re-establish our alliances because he knows that when we work with others, uh, we can exert more power and more leverage. He's going to ensure that we look after our interests, of course, but he knows if we want to compete with China, we have to build our infrastructure at home. We have to build our economy at home. We have to be the innovators and entrepreneurs that we have been throughout our history make sure that we're the ones who are moving forward on 5G, on artificial intelligence, on quantum computing. Um, So he well understands uh, how to compete in the world, uh, how to challenge and confront uh, when we must. And even with people who we might consider our opponents and even sometimes our adversaries, there may be places like climate change where we might have to work to try to find a basis for cooperation.
1: Can I ask you to actually dive into this a bit more? Because one of the key things that has emerged during this election cycle in particular, but of course, it's not new to this election cycle, is Uh, some of these authoritarian actors' uh, attempts at interfering in um, our elections and the process undermining democratic institutions. Uh, Russia, of course, was involved in in these types of activities in 2016. Iran and China have both made attempts uh, in this past election cycle. But then of course, with each of these countries, there are also other interests uh, at stake, right? Uh, we have to work with them on, you, you mentioned climate, that's a really good example of one place where we need to work with China, for example. How do you, how do you balance those things? How do you make sure you're able to, to kind of, you know, hold them accountable for their actions on the one hand, while also continuing to have a cooperative relationship on other issues?
2: Well, it's a multifaceted approach to diplomacy um one it's not so much about balance it's about doing what is in america's national security interest uh, and indeed if countries try to interfere in our election we have to call them out we have to sanction that behavior uh we have to take whatever actions we need to to say this cannot go on and in fact it appears that we may have had some effect in that regard in this election there may have been less than there was in 2016 we'll know more over the weeks ahead you have to Uh, compete where you must and put your own house in order to be able to compete effectively. And I think that uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris will do exactly that. Uh, And I think there are times that one has to challenge and confront, as you'd have to do in disinformation, uh, what China is doing in the South China Sea uh, to try to stop uh, freedom of navigation. And uh, at the same time, it's in our interest and it's in China's interest that we deal with climate because it depresses growth. China's got uh, over a billion people it has to take care of. They have folks who don't want to live in their cities because of pollution. The rise of asthma is profound in China. So it is in their interest. It's in our interest. And it may be one area where we can find common cause. And even though this horrific pandemic began in Wuhan, China, And I do wish absolutely there had been more transparency in the way China dealt with this. Uh, This will not be the last pandemic that the world confronts. It's why I believe President-elect Biden has said that he will not leave the World Health Organization, because as imperfect as it may be, we need the World Health Organization, because if we don't deal with COVID-19 all around the world, it will boomerang right back to the United States of America as soon as people get back on airplanes.
1: Yeah, that that all resonates. Uh, thank you for, for that. I want to turn to Iran now. Uh, I think most of our listeners will know you from your role as the lead U.S. negotiator um, on the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, uh, the JCPOA, uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Of course, President Trump left the deal in 2018 uh, after just uh, short of two years of implementation by uh, the U.S., its partners, and Iran. And since he's moved on to uh, undertake what he's dubbed the maximum pressure campaign against Iran, it's a sanctions-heavy policy. So I kind of want to get your take on how you assess uh, the Trump administration's Iran policy so far and How should the new administration deal with with Iran, uh, whether it's the JCPOA and its nuclear program or or all of the other issues that we have with Iran, including its regional activities?
2: Well, first, I want to say I was privileged to lead a team of extraordinary negotiators and um, to, in many ways, be uh, the wingwoman for Secretary Kerry, uh, Secretary Moniz. Uh, our Secretary of State and Secretary of Energy, and most of all, of course, privileged to lead the team uh, for President Barack Obama, who knew every single detail of this deal. Uh, So this was uh, an agreement that was reached by literally hundreds in the U.S. government and uh, by many, many, many people all over the world who were part of this effort. Uh, It's important for everybody to know when difficult things are done, It takes more than a team and even more than a village. It takes a whole heck of a lot of people over a very long time. But secondly, you know, certainly I had hoped that uh, President Trump would not leave the deal, uh, that he would build on it, that he would use all of the points of leverage and all the sanctions that remain to deal with all of the nefarious behavior by Iran it's human rights abuses against its own people. It's throwing folks into Evan prison who have no reason to be there. Their malign behavior in the Middle East, their support for Hezbollah and Hamas, state sponsorship of terrorism, and so much more. President Trump took a different decision. I don't think he got the results he wanted. He thought it, I think, would bring Iran to its knees and they'd come back to the negotiating table. That clearly has not happened. Uh, The Europeans who were part of the deal, Russia and China, uh, held on to it with Iran as long as possible. Uh, It's now hanging by a very slim thread. Uh, Iran is closer to what we call breakout time. That is how long it would take to get enough fissile material, highly enriched uranium and weapons-grade plutonium for a nuclear weapon. Uh, They have a larger stockpile of highly enriched uranium. They're using more advanced centrifuges. And they haven't stopped their malign behavior in the region either. Uh, So I don't think that the outcome that uh, President Trump was seeking uh, has been achieved. Uh, President-elect Biden has said that if Iran will come back into full compliance with the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the U.S. uh, wants to rejoin the deal and build on it. Most arms control agreements have a follow-on agreement. Uh, That would be true here as well and to use it as a foundation to discuss all of the other issues of concern uh, that you outlined, and then some.
1: So in the context of the nuclear talks, you spent, I don't know how many hours talking to your Iranian counterparts, right? Uh, Countless hours. How do you think they're seeing all this? How do you think they're reacting to the sort of shift in policy from the Obama administration to the Trump administration to this, uh, to the new uh, Biden-Harris administration, and are,
2: do you think they have an incentive to come back to the negotiating table? Well, I, I don't pretend to speak for the Iranian regime or the Iranian people. They will have to speak for themselves. Um, you know, throughout the negotiation, my counterparts would say to us, because they knew we had a presidential election coming up, how do we know this will hold? And I would say back to them, how do I know it will hold in your government? We all have forces in our governments all over the world that can continue things or not. Even treaties are not foolproof. The United States left the ABM Treaty, Russia just left the INF Treaty, and then uh, President Trump did as well. Uh, So treaties are not fail-safe either. They may be slightly stronger, but they're not fail-safe. Deals only stay together if it remains in the interests of the parties who negotiated it, and if it has elements that make it durable. And the fact that the Joint Comprehensive of Plan of Action lasted even after the United States of America, the most powerful country in the world, pulled out of it, says something about what was negotiated uh, and the durability of the deal. Um, but uh, nothing is a guarantee in life. It's why my book is called Not for the Faint of Heart. I teach uh, graduate students at the Harvard Kennedy School and I tell them few things in life are ever permanent. Uh, when World War I happened, it was called the war to end all wars. And then 20 years later, which is just a blip in history, we had World War II. So we all try to make progress, certainly over the arc of history, positive forward progress, uh, but it is painfully rarely linear. Well, speaking of permanence and things that are permanent or we wish were permanent. Um,
1: I want to talk a little bit about the transatlantic alliance. Uh, you've spent again countless hours talking to your European counterparts and Iran has actually become both, I guess the cause and consequence of the tensions that have characterized this alliance under the Trump administration. Uh, and uh, the president-elect has said that you know he wants to restore alliances to reinvigorate them. Uh, How would the new administration go about doing that? And do you think that the damage that has been caused to this alliance is um, actually reversible? Um, Or have we lost something that we're not really able to to rebuild?
2: I certainly hope we can rebuild it. And uh, the president-elect has made a commitment to rebuild our alliances, our partnerships around the world. He understands uh, and has operated this throughout his career that we are stronger when we can act together. And uh, no one has to give up their sovereign interests to do so because we have a lot of common ground and we should build on that common ground. Uh, there is no stronger economic relationship than the one between the United States and Europe. Uh, we should make use of that leverage as we compete with others around the world. So I think there will be have to be a lot of hard work. And as Uh, Your listeners well know uh, the current administration has hollowed out the State Department, even hollowed out parts of the Pentagon, the intelligence community, uh, the development agencies. And so um, they will all have to be repopulated. Uh, But I have no doubt that President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Harris, are committed to making sure that America has people all around the world that will reinvest in the relationships that are in our national security interest. Finally,
1: Ambassador, you've uh, another area you've spent a lot of time on uh, in the context of the JCPOA uh, talks and then the uh, implementation is um, on the Hill, right? Uh, dealing with the partisan uh, bickering, I guess, around the issue of Iran, uh, but also other uh, foreign policy and national security challenges we are in a uh, deeply divisive moment uh, in um, our history. And, you know, this is manifesting itself in national security challenges as well. I wanted to get your take on how you see this sort of partisan divide at this stage, do you think that we can have a bipartisan approach to foreign policy? Or are we doomed to sort of go back to this repetition of every four to eight years, having a new administration, new team come in and kind of try to undo what the previous administration did? Uh, do you think we can kind of come together?
2: Well, I hope so. And uh, the president-elect has said that Uh, And has worked very hard at beginning to message to the American people that although he is a proud Democrat, he is going to be president for all Americans, that we may have places where we disagree, but we are opponents, not enemies, uh, that we all want the same things uh, for our families. Everybody in America wants to put food on the table, educate their children, have shelter over their heads, have a better future for their kids than they even had for themselves. I think that the president-elect understands that in his very soul uh, and will work very hard to try to find a way uh, to that common ground to make progress for Americans. And I think that everyone in America would like to have a calmer world at the moment. Uh, I think everyone would like COVID to be behind us, not surging as it is today, Uh, I think everyone in America would like the economy to be fully back, which cannot happen until we get control of COVID. And I think everyone would like us to live in more harmony uh, with fewer economic and racial disparities that have become so much a part of our life. We are not a perfect union. We have to work hard to become that more perfect union. And I think that we have a president-elect and a vice president-elect to lead us there. Ambassador Wendy
1: Sherman, thank you so much for joining us. This was a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Ariane.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Out of Order, a German Marshall Fund podcast. The show is produced by Zachary Tarrant, Rachel Tausenfreund, and me, Sydney Simon. <laughs>